and welcome to my podcast, John Scott Lawton's English You Know. Today I interview Laura Broach, a teacher of English as a foreign language, currently working in Taiwan. We hear about Laura's experiences of traveling the island, tasting the rich varieties of food, exploring all the country's rich culture has to offer, and her experiences of working in a cram school where students attend to learn English after their regular school as part of the country's aspirations to have a bilingual population in Mandarin Chinese and English by the year 2030. I look forward to speaking to Laura and started off by asking her how she first decided upon Taiwan um, for her English language teaching experience. Hello, Laura. How are you? It's very nice to see you uh, online again. Hi, John. It's been a long time. What have you been doing? Uh, I'm in Bratislava in Slovakia, so I'm teaching English and I produce this podcast as part of a series of mostly listening exercises for students to gain experience of first language speakers, perhaps talking with each other, but also sometimes some of my students appear on the podcast. So uh, I'm really interested in your latest travels. We first met in London at Lambda at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. So where are you now and what are you doing? Well, you would not be surprised, but I have been traveling and at the moment I'm in Taiwan and I'm teaching something I thought I probably would not be doing. But hey, we're there. That's fantastic. And how did you choose Taiwan? How did Taiwan come up as an option? It was almost a coincidence. Um, once I finished in London, you know, I did the two year youth mobility visa. I went home to New Zealand and started looking for a job but I wasn't happy with some of the things that were happening. So I thought I'd pass the time studying for my TFL certificate. And then it happened to be my partner returned to the UK and I was looking for an adventure for me. So I chose to go to Taiwan and it only happened because I met his cousins and they were doing a very similar thing in Taiwan at the time. And they said, come to Taiwan. I said, okay, it's only two months later. I got on a plane. I didn't have a house. I didn't have a job. I just had my suitcase and I stayed on their couch for a week and they helped find things and set me up. And here I am almost two years later. And that's very typical of the uh, EFL. You said English as a foreign language uh, trainees who become teachers who then want to travel. Uh, teaching English is a tremendous way to do that. Um, we've covered that a couple of times on my podcast and I should explain you're from New Zealand but we're going to be talking separately about that in another podcast um, describe your apartment to me I can see it obviously my my listeners can't but it's a beautiful rooftop apartment which could best be described as a penthouse but you described it as a shed so can you describe it for us <laughs> I call it my treehouse it's very wooden um, it almost looks like one of those conservation huts back home in New Zealand um, but I am on the roof. There is a eight-floor apartment block, and I am a small sort of gardening shed on the roof. <laughs> so I've got the whole place to myself. It's very open plan. Up on there's two levels. The first level you come in, and there's the bathroom slash shower and a small piece of storage. And then you come up the stairs, and that's your bedroom, come living room, come 
don't know, makeshift kitchen. I've bought myself a little oven and a, a one stove top to make all my goodies that I want to do. Brilliant. We were just talking about food and you said it's almost cheaper to eat out in Taiwan than it is to cook at home. So can you describe, first of all, how you get your meals at school? And secondly, I know you love food. Uh, you used to be brilliant at bringing cakes to us at Lambda. So um, tell us about what you like to eat when you go out. Uh, when I go out, I quite often, well, I like to go with traditional foods. Everywhere that I've traveled in the past, I always try the traditional food, even if it makes me a bit green. Um, so I like to go to the night markets and see what's available and uh, they've got everything from what they call stinky tofu and which does smell you can smell it before you see it um, they've got lots of soup they have a variety of meat over the weekend I tried um, fried oysters and oyster pancake very interesting mm -hmm. but at school they have these things called lunch boxes and they staff order it for me it's maybe only two pounds for your dinner and that's a section of rice it could be beef pork or chicken as your meat and three or four different vegetables and the only thing I say to them is I'd like it to be different every day and they do they change it up every day maybe it's rice maybe it's noodles maybe it's got a side of soup it's all completely different and very fresh very good and that's cooked on the school premises yeah no, it's not. It's small oh. businesses. I think they love to use Uber Eats in their own ways. Um, some of the schools they do. Um, I'm at a cram school, so it's evening classes. But there are schools available where the students are there to do their regular schooling through the day. And then it turns into English classes at night. And they have the full kitchen mm -hmm. where they supply everyone with food. Excellent. So describe a cram school for us, please, um, Laura, what that involves and why the students are there. Okay, well, in Taiwan, they want to make the whole nation bilingual, at least the young people in the nation bilingual by 2030. So there's a big push that they would like the students to learn English. So they go to the regular schools in the morning, and then in the evening, maybe two or three times a week, they will come to a cram school where they literally push a lot of English into you, and they will learn English. My school, they've got various textbooks that follow popular children's stories. So you see The Wizard of Oz in a certain way or maybe something similar to Harry Potter. But through it, they're learning the important language. And then they have follow-up homework. And I am there to sort of reinforce the language they have learned through the Chinese teacher and for them to practice speaking English with. Mm -hmm. And what's the first language of most of the students you're teaching? Well, it's a variety. Um, Taiwan's got an interesting history. So some of them it will be Taiwanese with mum and dad at home and they don't actually speak that at school. Um, and others it's Chinese. Okay. So Mandarin rather than Cantonese speakers, would you say? Yes, I believe so. Sort of traditional um, Chinese. Yeah. And so what's the medium of instruction? What language do students learn in at school? They learn in at... Uh, at school Chinese but when they come to the cram school the Chinese teacher will speak English to them mm -hmm. depending on their level they are younger students they will get sort of half and half yeah but the older students most of the instruction will come in English mm -hmm. and what would you say your students um, 
like to do most? Do they have difficulties with speaking? Is that what you're working on? Or are there a variety of skills that you're teaching? Well, what I do is really just repeating what has happened before. Most of the time, I work spoken language and reading and listening. So when I come in, quite often we will do a story, which is part of the book. It will be a story or sort of a dialogue with different characters. And then we will have a pattern, whatever they're learning that week. So that we'll have some vocabulary items on flashcards, the pattern, and then it will be turned into a game some way or another. Excellent. And so that gives you the freedom. You, do you only work in the evenings? What do you do during the daytime? Uh, yes, uh, only in the evenings. I feel like I've gone back to my university job working evenings again. Um, yeah, so I have a lot of freedom to explore during the day, especially when I first arrived in the country, I would go look at the tourist sites. Uh, I can see the Science Museum out my window and I've been there a few times. Maybe only four pounds to go, so I love it. I can go see the dinosaurs anytime I like, and that's next to the botanical gardens. Um, I go to lots of different brunch places with my friends. I've got a foodie friend that likes to go and try all the new spots. Or I will go, there's a swing dancing club called City Hoppers. I like to go and try and dance with them, even though I'm very uncoordinated. It's very fun. Meet some new people and Taiwanese people trying to speak English. Actually, did you say that was swing dancing? Yes, swing dancing and blues dancing. There's oh, nice. different instructors. Excellent. I know you did ballet because I remember that. Um, the uh, Lambda Christmas Lambda. parties were legendary. Yes. <laughs> So about Taiwan and traveling, you said you've done the tourist spots, but now you're stretching, you're going further afield. What kind of places do you like to visit in Taiwan? Well, I think I'm quite a variety. Um, it possibly also depends when my husband's here. He's very outdoorsy. Um, there is a high-speed train system that will take you around most of the island. You can be in the next town within 40 to two hours. So I have been trying to do some hiking. Um, if not even short sort of day walks. And you can go to a place called Taroko Gorge, which is the other side of the island. And there's just, it's beautiful scenery. There's a massive gorge. You can hike up and you can see the river. It's very beautiful. But at the same time, I also love a good museum. If there's a museum in town, I will probably go to it. So I love culture, learning about people and seeing what their history is. You studied anthropology, didn't you? So that's the study of communities, the study of peoples. Um, do you find yourself thinking about things in anthropological terms? That's a great word, anthropological terms. Do you think about people and why they do the things they do, or do you literally take people as they come? Oh, no, I'll try and think, like you said, yes, I think that does come into it. Um, I just have a great appreciation for knowing what their livelihood was, why they would do that and how that made their lives easier. Looking at the textiles that they produced, um, how they cooked in their homes is very interesting. And I wonder if that might even help because I think I said to you earlier, I haven't learned as much Chinese as I wish I would. But for being able to just observe, understand your surroundings, there's a way that you can sort of know what's happening even if you haven't got a spoken word in that language you can be empathetic and you can see what is happening before they can come and tell you in english and sometimes you can see what is going on that's very true and, and food is one of the ways you do that but very interesting you said about observational skills and looking and listening as well even if you don't understand a language sometimes through somebody's tone 
it can be obvious that they're particularly upset, particularly if you've um, upset them. And nonverbal communications, yes, as you say. Um, what else have you done in Taiwan that perhaps you haven't done in one of the other many other countries you've traveled to? What, what have you done for the first time in Taiwan? I think probably travel on my own. I've always had my partner with me until now. Well, other than the study I did at university ending up in Laos and Vietnam, but I still had my supervisor then. I think it has been traveling on my own, living on my own. It's been interesting, and I think I actually enjoy it. I jokingly say to my partner, maybe he should move to other countries more often. <laughs> oh. I've been able to choose where I want to go, and you know me, I like to plan. So I've worked out all the ways I'm going to get to a place, possibilities of what I can do when I get there. And I'll just head off when I'm ready to go went right down to, it's called Kending, which is the southernmost point of Taiwan, on my own and took a train and a bus. It took almost five hours. And then I got there and didn't know what to do. And there were these umbrellas. Everyone sits under umbrellas at this beach. So I just rocked up to the first um, umbrella of international people and went, what do I do? And they said, well, we're all from Germany and Norway. Come join us. Okay. <laughs> and that's where I had my weekend. <laughs> How safe did you feel traveling on your own as a woman in Taiwan? Actually, so much safer. Um, quite often, I will be finishing late at night. I finish about 9, 9.30, and I'll either take the bus or I'll walk half an hour home. And quite often, the people I meet out at that time are other women on their own. And you feel safe? Very likely. Yeah, um, and very likely internationals because they may not have a scooter in their first year and you're walking around quite happily. The place is very well lit and people are very kind. Mm -hmm. so That's very nice. Really you mentioned scooters there, and I know that with several students um, that I work with, we used an article recently, a written article from an online magazine, talking about how Taiwan produces 40% of the bicycles, the pedal cycles used or bought in Europe are actually produced and manufactured in Taiwan. Um, and electric scooters as well, and, and mopeds, are they produced extensively in Taiwan? Um, I'm not 100% sure of the actual places that make them, but they are everywhere, like <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> if you don't know how to drive a scooter, you're most likely taking a bike. Um, they had, I think they were called Boris bikes in the UK, those renter bikes, I'm yes. not sure. But yes. Orange here could you bikes and they are everywhere you can imagine and people will take them to work um, if they are not driving the scooter I think you have to have a Taiwan ID for at least a year before you can apply for your driving license here so a lot of newbies will be new people in the country will be borrowing one of those bikes and you mentioned internationals there these are people as you said from Germany or Norway and other countries <clears throat> excuse me, who are traveling like you and working, and you find that you're speaking English to them? Is English the uh, the lingua franca? Is English the common language that you use for those discussions? Yes. Uh, most people you will meet will probably be from the US, um, and then it'll trickle down from there, whether it's South Africa, Germany, Norway, France. Um, my newest colleague is from South Africa as well, but yes, he will be speaking. 
some people you can hear miles away just based on how loud they are yes but yeah <laughs> so just you know, we, <laughs> we broke up a little bit there but just to say to emphasize that the language you'll hear is english and the language you'll use is english um, I'm using this as a way to promote <laughs> the teaching of English, obviously, uh, but it's something that you do find useful internationally. Yes, definitely. And are there many multinational companies, as far as you know, in Taiwan? Do you see adverts and buildings for, for different companies? Well, interestingly, um, maybe it's part of them wanting to be bilingual, as a lot of the signs will be in both English and Chinese. I'm not actually sure about the companies itself. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, anything else? Um, I've been told to keep my podcast a bit shorter, so uh, we'll do this deliberately. And we're going to have a separate podcast, uh, as I said, about your life in New Zealand. Um, anything else you'd like to tell? You said you like going to museums. Are there any other kind of spots, cultural interest spots that you go to that you enjoy? Have you got involved in sport, for example? No, definitely not. <laughs> um, basketball and baseball are very popular here. Um, I've got an Aussie colleague who's mad on his basketball and follows it around. And he's got friends that play at the national level. That's very popular. Um, but I wouldn't actually know myself. I do enjoy the dancing. And there are some swing dancing and blues dancing places. And you can also see lots of the older ladies and gentlemen doing sort of tai chi and their aerobics in the park it's every morning and afternoon so it's important for them to stay mobile it's quite fun to watch them go and have all the music as well um but yeah if you're going here to travel um i'd recommend giving yourself at least two weeks to see all the highlights you've got to go through taipei and do the classic taipei 101 but you've got to see the rest of the country too even if you're going down the coast make the most of that high speed rail see the national parks try the food smell the stinky tofu it will smell you first <laughs> and make your way back up the island as well thing because you know it was occupied by the japanese as well there's a lot of culture and history that way that you can see and get amongst and even travel into the middle of the island and see Sun Moon Lake before you head back up the coast again, back to the airport. It's definitely worth coming to see. Brilliant. That's a perfect little mini travel guide for Taiwan. Um, <laughs> I've noticed I've got some listeners on my podcast. I presume one of them is you, but uh, it's nice to get international list listeners. We've got listeners from at least 30 countries now with the podcast series. So I'm hoping that will grow. Um, anything finally, Laura, you'd like to say about Taiwan? How long are you going to stay there? Do you know? Uh, well, sadly, I'm on my last trek. I've only got two months left. Um, I will be very sad to go back to New Zealand. I know they compare the two a lot, but I will miss that. I miss the ability to have easy meals or have to learn to cook again <laughs> and easy transport it but has you, been fabulous but you will get to see your husband that's a bonus yes that's true i should yeah eventually go back to him <laughs> fantastic laura it's been uh, brilliant talking to you and sharing with us pos very positive experiences of a woman working and traveling alone and um, doing it safely which is very interesting uh, and good to know but also enjoying the teaching of english overseas uh, which I covered again in a, in a previous podcast. So thank you for that. Um, but that's a very nice segue into the fact that um, we'll 
um, talk next about New Zealand. But uh, for now, thank you very much, Laura, and stay safe. Thank you, John.